Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are glad you're with us. Today, we're beginning a new five-week series called Soul Detox, uh, Clean Living in a Contaminated World is a little tagline. This series then kicks off our community group semester, our spring semester, and, uh, and so we're, for the most part, nearly every group is going through Soul Detox, going through this five-week curriculum, and, and so this week, uh, all those community groups kick off in your program. I believe there's a listing of of all forms of community, and this is where we're encouraging every cross-pointer to get involved in some sort of 3D community that pushes you uh, beyond just Sunday morning attendance, but gets you involved in relationship and gets you uh, just oftentimes wrestling what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, wrestling the scripture together, praying together, studying it together, learning from it, making disciples who make disciples. So I encourage you to be involved in community this, um, uh, this semester. If you need help, connecting to one. You can always talk to a leader in that listing. You can stop by guest connections. You can uh, talk to um, uh, email, uh, call the office this week. We will help connect you to uh, community. We don't want you to be um, unaware of how to get connected. So we'll do our best to get you in a group and help you um, connect in that way. All right. Well, there's this incredibly silly and untrue, very common statement. All right. Um, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but Right, and, and what I want you to do today is when, if, if you have kids, I want you to ask your kids uh, when, you, when you walk out of here, sticks and stones may break, may break my bones and see if they can complete that sentence. Because when you think about that sentence for like a half a second, you realize how untrue and how silly and how foolish that statement really is. Sticks and stones, they, they can bruise your bones for days, maybe months, weeks, but words, I mean, they can just leave this imprint on your soul for, uh, for years, if not decades. And some of you here still have the wounds to show from, from words that were spoken to you. You can replay what was said to you, kind of like a recording, or you just have this playlist of all these toxic words that have been said to you. On the other hand, though, words also can build, lift, inspire, encourage, transform us. In the end, words are powerful. And each day we communicate thousands of words, thousands of words. And I'm not just talking about women. I'm talking about men too. We communicate thousands of words and not just verbally. But but in today's world, there's so much written communication, whether it's notes, cards, email, texting, social media. It's not just with our words or not just with our mouths that we communicate, but with our minds that we communicate uh, written as well. And the Bible speaks of this truth that words are powerful. If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Proverbs Right about in the middle of your Bible, uh, after the book of Psalm. If you don't own a Bible, I'd encourage you to get one off Guest Connections after the service. Call that your own. Just this last week, we got another case of 24 Bibles that came in. And so that just means that there's that many more Bibles heading home uh, into households, the living, breathing, active Word of God. And I just encourage you to, if you need two Bibles for your home, if, you need, you know, if you're married and you have husband and wife, each get a Bible if you don't own one. All right, That would, that would just be a, a blessing for us to be able to give those away to you. All right, book of Proverbs. We'll look at three verses that speak about the tongue and our words. First one here, Proverbs 18.21, the first half of it. The tongue has the power of life and death. The, the words that we speak can be life-giving or they can be life-taking. They can be life-breathing or they can be lethal. When God created the world, how did he do it? Well, he spoke. He said, let there be. And there was. So words create or words destroy, words heal, or they hurt. Words are powerful. And we're calling this first week uh, lethal language. Because if, if not submitted 
to the authority of Jesus, if our lives are not seeking to obey the great commandment and love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves, if we don't keep that commandment in front of us, then we slip into our words being toxic toward one another. And each week of the series, we're going to look at things that are toxic. And the definition of that word is this. Toxic is anything containing or being poisonous material capable of causing death or serious debilitation. So you get, thing, you get sick from things that are toxic. You die from things that are toxic. And toxic things don't just impact our physical health, but also our souls, our, our spiritual health, our walk with the Lord. Words can be toxic, and they can be a weapon, or they can be healing and life-giving. Here's another verse, uh, Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Sometimes like a dart gun, we, f- we fire careless words around, and these words can penetrate our skin and the poison can run deep in our souls. They can pierce like a sword. I'm not, I'm not just talking like a thumbtack prick, but just like it can cut deep to our hearts. The ESV translation says that verse this way, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. And that is not a pretty picture. In a moment of honesty, I mean, have you, have you thrust some word jabs at people before? I, I think we all have. And if we're unwilling to admit that, then we've got to pray about something else. I mean, I have. Humbling to admit. It's true, though. I've been on the receiving end as well of some jabs and some thrusts. But on the other side of the coin, the tongue of the wise brings healing. So instead of inflicting injury, our words can be like this ointment that, that soothes or uh, brings restoration. Another proverb for us to consider, Proverbs 15.4. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. Some translations refer to that verse as as the tongue being gentle. It's a gentle tongue. Uh, Think about trees for a minute. It's tough to think about in, in the dead of winter. But trees bring shade and comfort from a hot sun. Uh, When we were in Mexico last uh, spring break, working with Isaiah 55 Deaf Ministries, and we were cleaning up this this dump area uh, where a future baseball field was going to be built. And I think they had one lonely tree, and I'll, correct me if I'm wrong if, uh, if you were on the trip with us, but I think they had one lonely tree sitting on the edge of this baseball field. And in the midst of a hot, humid afternoon, that tree was gorgeous. That tree was this tree of relief. That's where we took our Coke breaks. That's where we took our breaks. It was like an oasis. Are the words we use like a shade tree to those around us? Are they bringing healing and relief in the midst of a life that sometimes can feel like a hot, humid, air-not-moving kind of summer day? Proverbs 15.4 once again draws this distinction between uh, the words we use. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Deceitful meaning uh, cunning or dishonest. Chances are many of you, if you look back at your life, you can find some different times that you heard some crushing words or you were pierced with someone's hurtful words. You you didn't call them toxic at the time. That wasn't your description, but that is what they were. It could have been something that seems relatively innocent, like, what happened to your hair? And you're like, what happened to it? I, I intended to do it this way. What's wrong with it? And 
Or it could be something that someone said really carelessly like, when's the baby due? And you weren't pregnant. <laughs> at, your age, at, your, at your age, why aren't you married yet? When, when are we going to have some grandbabies around here? Come on, when are the grandbabies going to come? And you've been praying for years. Hurting, just kind of lonely, working through that. And these careless words, reckless, as Proverbs describes them, it crushed. Or maybe it was something much more pointed, much more direct. Well, I found someone else. I never loved you. I hate you. You're such a disappointment to me. I wish I'd never had you. It was such a mistake to marry you. It was such a mistake to have you. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? I'm leaving you. You're nothing to me. You're pathetic. We'll never be friends again. I mean, these are intense things. These are not made up. Many of you know this. You look back at your own life and the history of your life and you can reflect on some toxic words. That poisonous dart tip hits and that that poison spreads throughout your body and, and you hurt and you've lost life because people have spoken words that crushed your spirit. They were reckless. And on the other hand, though, there's life-giving words. Words that encourage and spur us on in our faith. I believe in you. You're so special to me. I'm over the top proud of you. I can't tell you how thankful I am for you. You're still my bride after all these years. I'm so thankful for how you provide for us. I I have this great respect for you. God has really gifted you and you're using those gifts for his glory. I treasure our time together or uh, the simple but not used enough, I love you. I'm committed to you. I love you. Life-giving words. Uh, God really encouraged my heart this last week through some friends' life-giving words, words of faith and encouragement. Uh, This last summer, uh, the elders and staff put together this uh, 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 just kind of a, a, it's not a plaque, but it's it's a document with all sorts of uh, life-giving words of why they believe in me and my role at Crosspoint. And it, it sits up in the corner of my office, kind of like a shade tree, honestly, kind of like a shade tree for my own heart and for uh, my role. This is a massive area uh, that's so vital to, if you're a parent, this is huge for us as parents who want to raise your kids in a Christ-honoring home. What words are you using? Are they life-giving? Are they life-taking? Are they spirit-crushing? My wife sends me the most encouraging texts sometimes. Encouraging, meaning to pour courage. She pours courage into my heart and life. Our words can either uh, speak life and build up, or they are toxic and they tear down. And what I want to look today, and what I want to look at, is both the words that we communicate to others, and those that we receive, those that get communicated to us. And I don't want to go about this with Dave's finite pre-brain wisdom. I want to look at what scriptures say. Because we continually have to do this. We have to drive our lives, drive our, and under the authority of scripture and say, okay, does our life line up with what scripture teaches? And so we're going to look at scripture today. And, 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 and I pray that we'll be open to its truth and to be changed by it. At some point this week, I want you to look at James 3. This is part of your homework, James 3. Some great truth on taming the tongue, how powerful it can be. We're not going to get to that section this morning. Uh, But the beautiful thing is you're not just limited to learning and reading your Bible on Sunday mornings. This is the beautiful thing. You have a Bible in front of you, and and I encourage you to feed yourself 
to open up the Scripture. If you're not sure where to go, then open to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book into the New Testament. Get to know who Jesus is. And I encourage you to just, we, we have to go from wanting to be fed to taking what we're learning in Scripture and feeding others and overflowing our faith to others. We have to go from baby bird to mama birds, all right? And I, I just encourage you, James 3, great section of Scripture to do that this week. Let's, let's first start with the words that we hear, the, we, the words we read, the ones we take in. And here's the first truth. We must guard our hearts against toxic words. We've got to do whatever it takes to guard our hearts against the toxic words that others may say or speak to us. Because in the end, and this is difficult to, to get our heads around sometimes, because in the end, we can't control what others say about us. I've learned that hard lesson. I'm learning that hard lesson both as a pastor and a coach. People will say what they're going to say. I can't control what they're going to say and how they're going to talk. I can control my response to it. I can control my response to it. We can control what we meditate on and allow our hearts to receive. Will, will we soak in the truth of God's Word, our identity in Christ, or do we soak in what others say about us? and finding our identity in anything other than Jesus. Proverbs 4 is this great little chapter that talks about seeking after God's wisdom, a, a picture of a father imparting wisdom to his son through life-giving words. He says this, Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body, Verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Listen, son, lean in, lean in on this one. Lean in, guard your heart, guard your heart. And, and this doesn't just refer to words. I mean, this could be a huge range of areas. Guard your heart against temptation. Guard your heart against false teaching. Guard your heart against spiritual pride. Guard your heart against idols. Guard your heart against bitterness. I mean, lots of different applications. As parents... We need to help our kids guard their hearts and not just assume, oh, yeah, it'll, it'll get done. But we have to be proactive, helping them to guard their hearts so we don't just say, ah, here's a phone, go at it. No, we, we help guard their hearts and put up boundaries so that they can walk in freedom and not be entangled to sin or be, um, to be drawn into areas that don't honor God. But today I want to look at the area of our words. Guard your heart against toxic words, lethal language. Don't let them in. Don't go soaking in the petri dish of gossip, lies, and reckless words because that's where the bacteria grows. That's where the infection grows. You are not who others say you are. You are not the sum total of the words spoken about you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've repented of your sin, if you've put your faith and trust in Christ and shifted that from yourself to Jesus, then you're not who others say you are. Your identity is not wrapped up in, in other people's perceptions of you or what they say. Your identity is rooted in this phrase, in this phrase, in Christ. Your identity is rooted in in Christ. So let's contrast the lies that we hear with the truth of who believers are in Christ. You know, you'll always fall to that sin. You know, you're dead to sin and alive in Christ. You're a slave to righteousness, not a slave to sin, Romans 6. 
you know, you, you ran too far for the Heavenly Father to still love you. You just screwed it up. No, n- nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 8.39. You'll always be the same person. You'll never change your used goods. In Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You're worthless, and you have nothing to offer. You'll never be good enough. Now, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. You know, that, that sin is just far too big for God to forgive you. He'll never pardon you for that. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Ephesians 1.7. You haven't changed at all. You're still the same old sinful person that you've always been and you always will be. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30. And that's just scratching the surface of this, of this identity in Christ. Believers have been adopted in the family of God. John 1.12. We have a God that doesn't change and never leaves nor forsakes. Joshua 1.5. If we are to have a soul detox, then we need to refute these lies that others say about us and receive the truth that, of who we are in Christ and what Scripture says about us. For those of you here who, who aren't believers yet and you're here and you're wondering, what's this whole faith thing about? Why are all these different kinds of people here? And who's Jesus? And you're exploring Him. You're, you're trying to determine what He's done for you and, and, his, and, and what is truth and what's lie. And you need to know that you've been created in the image and likeness of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together by a holy, loving creator. Psalm 139. That we've all sinned and fallen short of his perfection, of his beauty, of his holiness. Romans 3, 23. And as a result, we sit under the, the wrath of God, his judgment, because he is just and holy and there's got to be a penalty to be paid for our rebellion, for our sin. And so we sit under that, under that judgment of eternal separation in hell someday. But, but, God sent His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He sent Jesus to this, to this earth to, to live, die, and rise again to rescue us long before we knew we needed a Savior because He loves us, Romans 5.8. And, and you need to know that salvation is not something you earn, you work for, you're born into. It's not because of your last name. It's not because of the church you grew up in. It has nothing to do with that. Salvation is something you receive by grace through faith alone, Ephesians 2.8 and 9. And you receive salvation. You cross over from death to life. You're adopted into the family of God when you turn from your sin and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Jesus was the only one who bridged the gap and serves as the mediator, the sacrifice between God and man. 1 Timothy 2, 5. And you need to know that the Father welcomes you home into relationship just the way you are and celebrates and rejoices and throws a party when another person gives their life to Christ, Luke 15. And if you want to talk to someone about what it means to follow Jesus, then come see a volunteer of the prayer team after the service. Talk to Eric, myself. Talk to an elder. Talk to somebody here. 
Like, what's this mean? I, I believe God is, I mean, you wouldn't say this, but like there's something uneasy about my heart right now and I need to do something about it. Well, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself. I'll just tell you what it is. It's not, I mean, you haven't had Super Bowl appetizers yet. It's not what you ate. It's the Holy Spirit. So I just encourage you to respond to that. Crosspoint, you are not who others say you are. Guard your heart. You cannot control what, what they say, but you can control what you believe. Don't let the toxic lies seep into your heart and mess with your identity. When Jesus faced temptation from the devil, Luke 4, Matthew 4, Mark 1, he answered each, each lie that the devil threw at him, he answered it with scripture, with truth. So, so I'm not suggesting kind of a, this is a throwback here, but I'm not suggesting a Stuart Smalley uh, theology. Some of you get that, others of you don't because you're too young. Now SNL is just horrible, all right? But it used to, at one point it was kind of funny. Um, but, but I'm not saying just look in the mirror and say I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. I'm not saying that. Because that's based on feelings at best. I'm saying anchor your soul, your life in Christ. To ask yourself, is this truth or is this a lie from the enemy? Does this line up with God's living, breathing, active word? Or does it line up contrary to it? This is huge for you students especially. I mean, students in school can just be downright cruel. Oftentimes it's trying to falsely kind of build up their image at the expense of yours. And so when you get the, you're dumb, you're ugly, you don't even play in the team, you'll never make a difference in this world, you'll never get any better, you really blew it there. In those moments, you dismiss the lies and you remember who you are in Christ and the love and acceptance you have from a perfect heavenly father and how he delights and rejoices in his children. Psalm 149.4. We internalize truth and we reject toxic words. Unfortunately, people will say, things that are hurtful to us. Often those that we love and trust the most, and sometimes those sting the most. But remember, you are who God says you are. Above all else, guard your heart against the toxic lies, the lethal lethal language you may hear. Now, with all that said, with our focus thus far, just kind of being on the words that we read or take in or receive, we now have to talk about the words we communicate to others. Because if we're honest... We've all said some reckless things in our lives. So with that thought, the next idea here is we must speak life-giving words to others every chance we get. Practically speaking, if we're going to speak life-giving words to one another and avoid speaking reckless words, we must learn to do this. This will be healing for some of you. Let's let's do this because you're not just going to look at the pastor's tongue. Do this. Three, two, one. No, some of you aren't doing this. <laughs> all right, if you're on the podcast, where I just bit my tongue, all right? You have no idea what's going on. Because here, here's the deal. We're going to be tempted to speak toxic words. And some of you might have already even said toxic words yet this morning trying to get out the door. All right, trying to get here on time, trying to get, oh, i got to make this casserole, come on. Or, I mean, or you're going to be tempted to... Uh, Say toxic words this week at work, in your marriage, with your friends, on social media, in traffic, at the store, at your child's sporting event, when you're watching a sporting event. You're going to be tempted. I've seen it. You're going to be tempted to share some toxic words. Our flesh is weak. Life is life. And at some point, some point you're going to get upset, angry, hurt, 
And in those moments, we must avoid speaking toxic words. Before you say something, ask yourself, are these life-giving words or are they intended to tear down? Am I saying this simply to get a shot in? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Just to get a shot in. Just to boost my ego, to prove my point, to gain a following. Or are these words said in love? Or sometimes toxic words can be disguised in humor. When in fact, they're just little jabs, little bullets with humor wrapped around them. In the world of food, everything tastes better with bacon wrapped around it, right? But in the world of our words, we must be careful that we are not trying to cover a thrust of a sword with a sheath of humor. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We've got to be careful. Now, I'm not saying that our words should just be about unicorns, care bears, rainbows, and puppy dogs, butterflies. Not just saying that. Sweet little kitties. Like we should avoid truth in our words. Because rather the Bible says, Ephesians 4.15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Ephesians 4.25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So I'm not saying skirt the truth in relationships. Specifically in marriage, withheld truth will lead to a loss of intimacy. My wife has called out my sin before, and that's been healthy for us. I've had a friend uh, rebuke me for my lack of faith. I've had friends call out sin in my life. But in those cases, they were speaking the truth in love. They were doing it because they loved me and cared for me and wanted God's best. They wanted to see my life. They, they just saw this little pocket in my heart, and they lovingly loved me enough to speak truth into that. It was not a verbal jab. It was not a thrust. So we don't speak out of arrogance, pride, my way or the highway, but in humility with the goal of strengthening the relationship. This is huge if you're a parent. Some of you had or you have parents that have no problem speaking the truth, but it was not done in love. Maybe that's what you saw growing up and now you're passing that on to the next generation or maybe you saw one thing and so you're kind of swinging the other way as a parent now. Maybe you're an adult and you still have this relationship with your parents and it's just like, as if they slapped down this truth steak for you to eat, but they never seasoned it or marinated, marinated it in love. It was just kind of like, boom, well done truth steak, eat it. But you've got to season that thing in grace and love. Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. So that, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their, their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So we ask ourselves, are the words that I'm about to write, the words I'm about to speak, intended to build up or tear down? And then when I do have the encouraging thought, the building up words, then I don't hesitate in speaking or sharing them. I give life to the thought. I don't hold it back. I don't rob the blessing. So life-giving words within the church. Thank you for teaching my child today. Thank you for caring for my baby. Thank you for investing into students. Thank you for serving behind the scenes. 
I so appreciate your faithfulness. I love to see what the Lord is doing in your life. I love to see your faith growing. Thank you for opening your home. I mean, there should be life-giving, abundant, over-the-top, generous, encouraging words in the body of Christ. We should be marked by that. Or life-giving words in the home. Honey, you're still smoking hot, all right? You still take my breath away. Husband, I love you. I respect you. Great job working so hard at school, son, daughter. You're so talented. I believe in you. I believe God can do great things in your life if you walk in obedience to to him. I'm committed to you no matter what, always and forever. There should be life-giving words happening in our home. So we don't hesitate. We don't let intentions go unconverted. You and I will never overdo encouragement or expressing thanks or love. I mean, no, we'll never overdo it. Once again, this is one way we display and reflect Jesus to those around us. We speak words of life, healing, faith. Our speech should reflect the love of our Lord and Savior. I mean, if we're honest sometimes, Christians, if we kind of just take a, a self-assessment of us, we can be sometimes pretty joyless, hopeless, cynical, critical, negative, pessimistic, doomsday. What, what happened to this great God that we supposedly worship and serve and follow? What happened to the truth that we are staking our lives in? And are our words reflecting this great God and his hope and his power, his greatness, his majesty, his might? And so we guard our hearts against lethal language and toxic words. We anchor our hearts, our identity in Christ his truth. We do not stake our identity in the sandy soil of other people's opinions or other people's words or other people's perceptions. Instead, we go truth. We go in Christ. You are not who others say you are, so stop rehearsing what has been said about you or said to you. Instead, rehearse and meditate on what the Lord says about you as his child. Some of you are, are here and, and God's called you to do something and you've allowed the, the noise of the crowd to keep you from obeying what God has commanded and God is, is calling you to do. You are not the sum total of other people's words or you are who God said you are. The tongue has the power of life and death, so as believers we speak words of life. We put off reckless words or words that tear down only to elevate ourselves. We instead put on words that build up strengthen, encourage, and spur on. And this happens in every circle of life, whether it's a home, school, workplace, church, somewhere in between. So here's one next step for this series. Uh, with this series, there's a Bible reading plan associated with it. Uh, if you go to, if you Google version Soul Detox Reading Plan, you'll find it. The link is on our website, the link is on Facebook, and we have copies of the PDF uh, back at Guest Connections. 35-day reading plan, I'm, I'm encouraging you and I to start it today. Because once again, we have to soak in the truth of God's Word and not soak in the lies that we might be hearing around us. And so this is just one practical, easy way to get us into the Word on a consistent basis. And then in your homes and community groups, then we wrestle with this. You know, oh, this is what I'm learning. This is what God's challenging me on. This is what God encouraging, rebuking, correcting, teaching me. This is what the Word is doing in my life. And so we encourage, so we do that with one another. 
So that's the next step I'd encourage you and I to take as we kick off this five-week series called Soul Detox. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the word. I thank you for its truth. I thank you for uh, just its, um, its authority over our lives. And I pray that we would remain open to that in this series. I thank you uh, just for the uh, challenge and encouragement you're, you're giving to my own heart through this. Um, and for some of uh, us today, for some of you, you've been on this uh, receiving end of some words that were toxic, words that felt like a sword thrust at your heart. And if that's you, I just ask you to, to raise your hand in a sense, identifying humbly, just kind of admitting that before the Lord. Lord, I've received some words that were toxic, words that hurt, and they're still kind of plaguing me. If that's you, I'd ask you to raise your hand. Others of you, you'd say, you know what? I'm the one who has spoken toxic words, sometimes speaking reckless, careless, hurtful words to those I love the most. And if that's the case, if we're just humble enough to admit that with our heads bowed, I encourage you to raise your hand as well. All right, you can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those of us who have spoken or written toxic or reckless words. Forgive us. Forgive us. Give us self-discipline over our tongues. Don't allow any unwholesome talk to come out of our mouths. Convict us this week when we're going to be tempted to speak reckless words. Convict us, cause us to demonstrate a fruit of the Spirit called self-control. I pray instead that our words would be building and life-giving to those around us. May our words reflect your truth and your love, your hope, your power, your good news. Help us to be quick to encourage and lift up those around us. And Lord, for those of us here who are carrying a wound from toxic words, I pray that you would remind them deeply of who you are and who they are in Christ. Give them the grace to forgive freely, just as we've been forgiven in Christ. We want to live according to your word. We want to honor you and always say and do. We want to glorify you, not only with our actions, not only with our attitudes, but with our words. May this week, may, may people see you through our words. We love you. We thank you for your word. And thank you that it's powerful, living, breathing, active, and it cuts to our hearts. And I pray that we'd be open to that. Thank you for your love. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.